Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The nail in the coffin! Right, welcome to the Nail in the Coffin, part of the world-famous Evergreen Podcast Network. Saturday morning, the Cavs season, unfortunately, has come to an end. And uh, for a little post-mortem here, joined by friend of the show, Mark Mazaros. Mez, you and I texted all season, went to a couple games together, figured uh, no, better, no better person to uh, catch up with here as uh, we put a bow on this season. I am bummed out. Yeah, same here. I'm uh, I'm sort of picking myself off the floor. Uh, as you know, I had a work thing last night, and I ended up watching the game on a really significant delay. I went dark on social media and my phone. So I didn't finish the game until late. And then, you know, it, I'm wired, so I have the new uh, 4K set of the, of the Godfather movies. So, you know, spoiler alert for the Godfather, but I watched up until Michael uh, takes out Salazzo and McCluskey before going to bed. So I'm still, uh, you know, was, you do what you got to do to get through these nights, but it, it was a tough one. It was a tough one. Well, Trey Young treated us like we were Mo Green at the end there. Um, oh, yeah. I don't want to say Trey Young can sleep with the fishes, but uh, <laughs> you know that what guy was can so shoot, man. Yeah, hats off. He played a. It was so frustrating. Is I I I, I can't stand him and. It's not even because of some of the stuff he does to just embrace being a villain with taunting the crowd and stuff like that. I actually kind of like that stuff. That doesn't bother me at all. What drives me nuts about him typically is the grifting, the uh, the, the begging for foul calls and, and getting cheap fouls drawn and getting a ridiculous number of free throws. And honestly, guy, like last night, it wasn't even that. He, he It was all legit. I mean, he, there was probably a couple calls that were a little questionable, but... I mean, by and large, I mean, you know, when he knocked down the, the three-pointer from, like, standing on the Cavs logo, it was just like, my God. So. No, you're 100% you're right. I, I do want to say, though, as to the grifting, I mean, he'd make a world-class Philadelphia 76er. Oh, yeah. They're, they're the worst. Make that happen, and I can, <laughs> I can fully, fully hate that team as if I'm not there now. But anyways, back to the point. He, you know, if, if a guy's going to drill it from, like, what felt like 10 feet behind the three-point line, I don't know that there's a defense for that, really. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, hats off. To, and, you know, I don't know if you watched the halftime. I was trying to fast forward and, and catch up, but I did watch a few minutes of uh, Jalen and um, and Stephen A. And they just talk about how, you know, he was quiet. Trey Young's quiet in the first half. And he's known to have these good second halves. And it just hit me. I'm like, oh, he's going to have a great second half. I suddenly, all my optimism just oozed out of my body as a Cleveland fan. Yeah. Um it that even when the Cavs got out to that big lead early, there was part of me that was still kind of nervous because it felt like Atlanta was getting some good looks and shots just weren't falling. And I was thinking to myself, this team can shoot. And if those shots start going down, 
we might have our hands full here. And, and then he heated up. And the one thing that I was thinking about quite a bit was you look at his stat line and you look at Darius Garland's stat line and, you know, Darius ended up with like, I think 21 and nine, Correct. but he, yeah. he, he took 27 shots to do it. And, you know, the, the, the huge difference was I felt like the Cavs defensively, they kept getting switched into these matchups where you got guys on Trey Young that you don't want to see guarding him. And it was hard to kind of trap him because you still had to honor their other shooters. I mean, between Herter, Gallinari, uh, Hunter, uh, Bogdanovich, I mean, like those guys could all, I mean, they, they posed a, a legitimate threat. Whereas the Cavs, I mean, Larry Markinen shot it well, especially in the first quarter. But Atlanta had a much easier time collapsing on Darius Garland, and I think it just made it so much harder for him, especially in that second half. The Cavs' offense really, really seemed to bog down. I mean, they got six minutes into the fourth quarter, and I think they had two points in the fourth. It was just every possession, it was, it was just, you know, swimming upstream. I was just talking about that basic that topic with another buddy uh, before we got on here, and I totally agree. And, you know, you, your, your lineup can't be all things to all people, but, uh, you know, I'm a guy who can never have enough shooting. And the fact that it is, you know, if I'm a, if I'm the other coach, I'm blitzing and trapping Garland, like all the time, you know, and it's, it's, we don't have as easy time burning them with a, with a three or something that, that they did. So just to echo your thoughts, I completely agree. I'm not saying it's an easy fix. I love, I love the tower city lineup, but you know, you wonder if it's the best long term. Yeah. And yeah, I know a lot of people thought it was kind of strange that Kevin Love only played 10 minutes last night. And when you get into these games, you want someone with veteran experience. And he was one of the few guys that I felt like in Brooklyn on Tuesday night looked comfortable and, and didn't seem phased by the stage. Garland was another one. Too big for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gar- Garland was another one in Brooklyn. I felt like, you know, the moment didn't look too big for him. Mobley, same thing. And obviously long term, it's it's good to see that. Um, but not getting more Kevin Love last night, especially when the offense was struggling, it it seemed odd. Um, but at the same time, there was that stretch, I think, early in the second half where the Cavs brought him in. And Atlanta, it was like two or three straight possessions where they immediately ran a pick and roll to force a switch where Love ended up on Trey Young and they just abused him. And the Cavs just immediately called a timeout. They took Love out of the game, and he never came back in the rest of the night. And I don't know, maybe, you know, hindsight 2020, you live with that um, for the uh, trade-off of the offense that you're going to get out of him, hopefully. Um, But at the same time, if you were that concerned about, you know, defensive liabilities, I also thought it was really strange. We never saw Lamar Stevens for the entire game. He never played. I know. And, and you know, he's another one who's offensively challenged at times. But, you know, he's kind of that, you know, that, that junkyard dog defensive player that JV has loved this season. And, and I felt like at times has played him too much to a fault and like not even see the floor, uh, I thought, was uh, was surprising. Um, and then, you know, just getting back they, to they, go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I just, they, they just didn't, 
you know, Bickerstaff and his coaches know a million things more than I do, uh, obviously. So, but like it, they just didn't have an answer, whatever button they were trying to push as the game was slipping away. I don't know. I, I probably would have tried love at least one more time. Maybe the same thing happens. You pull them right away, but like you were suddenly having trouble scoring. I, I guess I disagree with your point. Lamar is going to at least go in there and give you uh, not that no one's not bringing effort in a, that's a good way to say that Mark. Everyone's bringing effort in a, in a quote unquote postseason game. And you know, it's not really a problem, but Lamar is going to go in there and give you everything he has. And I would have at least given him a few minutes, given love a few more minutes, but you know, like you said, hindsight, easy to do. Yeah. And if you're looking for scoring punch, especially in a home game, uh, Jetty Osmond not seeing the floor at all. And he's a guy who's been in JB's doghouse quite a bit this year. I was a little less surprised that that he didn't get in at all. Right. Um, and I guess if you're, you know, three quarters of the way through the game, you're not going to bring somebody in for the first time cold off the bench. And, you know, you kind of made your bet at that point. Um, but yeah, I thought you might have but- seen a scenario where, you try to bring him in for a couple minutes, see if you can get a little little bit of a spark there. I think it also really hurt. Uh, they just needed some kind of lift late, and I, I agree with you. It's tough to bring him in when he hasn't been in all game, but you can you can get to your mind where you know uh, instant offense, Chetty off the bench, may, maybe is what you need. I don't know. It's just, yeah, just frustrating. And the other thing that hurt, I think, was that you know I think they were kind of banking on Rondo, giving him a little bit more, which you know maybe that's a uh, you're kind of rolling the dice there with where he's at in this stage of his career. Um, you know, I felt like there was a it was a little bit more effective on Tuesday against Brooklyn, running those two point guard lineups, kind of taking a little bit of a burden off of off of Darius. And last night, Rondo just gave you nothing. And and those lineups when he was on the floor, I, I don't think it looked good. And he did not end up playing very much. And I think had he been able to give you a little bit more, that could have taken a little bit of the the burden off of Garland. Um, but it just really wasn't wasn't meant to be, I guess. And I thought Garland, you know, I don't think this is a brilliant insight, but Garland looked, you know, exhausted by the end. I mean, the shots weren't going in anymore. And he's one of those guys, when he takes certain shots, I am willing to like instant bet that they're going in, you know, but it wasn't the case late. I thought that his legs were probably dead. Mm-hmm. I, I know the Rubio, my beloved Ricky Rubio, I know the Rubio Garland lineups were, were deadly. But these Rondo Garland lineups, I'd rather just, you know, swallow your medicine and get a couple more minutes of Garland on the bench when Rubio's out there. I just like, you got to get that kid some more rest. Yeah. What uh, what did you think of Karis LeVert? In this game or since he's been here? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, obviously he had the foot injury, so we didn't have as much time to acclimate him as we all would have liked. I mean, you know, injury is obviously one of the major themes of this season. Uh, he certainly brought something we didn't have. And he was more of a playmate. And, like, look, I didn't watch a lot of Karis LeVert. I mostly watched the Cavs. I can't pretend I'm an expert on all these players around the league. So, but he was more of a playmaker, I think, setting guys up than I expected, which I really liked. But some of his, uh, you know, and he, we did need a guy who could create his own shot, and he can. Some of those shots are bizarre and awkward and uncomfortable um so you know i think we were better off than not having him in a vacuum but um i don't know i don't know that he needs to be on the roster next year to be mm. frank yeah he did not in have a, world a very where we have sexton back i guess right yeah karis lavert just did not have a very aesthetically pleasing game for me it just i got nervous every time i was watching him dribble i felt like he did not have a very tight handle and 
um, just some of the shots, like you said, the awkwardness and boy, he struggled last night. I felt like with, with Trey and I got really frustrated that, you know, you could see Atlanta's plan was to just hunt pick and rolls to get switches. And there were scenarios where, you know, Levert was guarding him. They'd set a pick out high and the Cavs would switch. And it was just a part of the floor where I was like, you don't need to be switching there. You know, you, you, you're on the floor right now because we're counting on you to try to slow Trey Young down. You can't get keep getting switched off like that. I don't know if that was a, a tactical thing that, the you know, the Cavs were, that was what they wanted there or what. But it just, you know, kept getting into these switches that were just killing us left and right. That yeah. was really frustrating to watch. And, you know, Laurie Markkinen, God bless him. I mean, he played his ass off. But, I mean, he can't keep Trey Young in front of him. He just – No, he, he cannot. He, and you can't he have can't. Him, really. <laughs> yeah, there, there are a lot of things I felt like marketing could do that were useful, and that, uh, that's not <laughs> it. So That's not in the tool belt. It is not. Um, man, it's just – bigger picture. I, I, I'm, I'm just – I'm so bummed out. I mean, it, it felt like last night – you know, somebody said this on Twitter and it just, it really resonated with me. It just, that game felt like a microcosm for the entire season in mm-hmm. that, you know, they got off to this great start and then it just slowly kept slipping away. And it was like watching a ship take on water, you know, and, and all year, especially down the, the second half of the season, I just kept hoping that it's like, hold on. And just if we could just hang in there and get to a point where we could get some semblance of our core group back together, let's see what we can do in a playoff series. And and I know long term, the Cavs are probably better off getting their lottery pick. I think there's like a 97% chance or something it's going to end up being the 14th pick. And right. So, um, you know, you could pretty much assume that's where they're going to land. Um, and never bet against of, this team in the lottery, my friend. <laughs> that's that is true. Um, there's but, one thing we do. Oh yeah, I just you know th- this whole second half of the season, I, I just you know it went from thinking they could get a top seed and possibly make it out of the first round to you know weeks of just hoping to get a top six seed so we could avoid the play in. To all right, well, if we're going to be in the play-in, let's hopefully get you know a seventh or eighth seed, so that we can get two shots at getting into the playoffs. And then even once we get into the the play-in tournament, you know, you think about I mean, you look at like the West. I mean, the the Pelicans are in the playoffs now, even though I think they finished the season with thirty six wins, because you know they played a Spurs team that was I think like what ten games under five hundred or something like that, and. Then they got the Clippers without Paul George. Whereas the Cavs, even in a play-in scenario, had to deal with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, which I'm sorry, a team with those two guys, there's no way in hell they should ever be in a play-in. And then after that, their fallback was dealing with Trey Young and a team that was in the conference finals last year. It was like there was just never a break coming. Um, and you, you know, my... 
you know, my, my two sports are football and basketball. So I'm Browns and Cavs much more than baseball at the Guardians. And I just feel like, can we ever, you know, we're, we're, we're in the loaded East. We're in the loaded AFC. I'm sick of it. Sick I know. And, and injuries, I mean, injuries torpedoed the Brown season. And, you know, I mean, you could even make a case that it really hindered the Guardians last summer too. Um, and I'm just, I'm tired of watching my team get decimated by injuries, no matter what the season is. Uh, you, you feel so good about where this Cavs team is going, even without like major moves. Just all these young, I mean, they're so young, right? They went through last night. They're 22, 23, even Allen's 24. Right. They should just keep getting better. They seem like hard workers. And you're like, well, you know, they're going to get decimated by injuries next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We need to talk about Jared Allen, by the way, because that dude is a gamer. You could tell pretty clearly he was not right, and right. I mean, he still put up a very respectable stat line, and if you just looked at a box score, you'd be like, oh, well, they got a nice lift from him. But if you were watching the game, you know, I mean, it was it was a bad sign to me when, you know, well, first off, he gets stuck in traffic trying to come to the game, and he didn't even get to the arena until it was like an hour before tip-off. I um, know. But then they showed, like, during the pregame, him walking in, and he's wearing a hoodie, and he kept his left hand in the front pouch of the hoodie. And as he's like high-fiving people walking down the hallway, he wouldn't take his left hand out of his pocket. And then as he like gets on the floor before the game, you know, everybody's dapping each other up right before tip off. Again, he's like holding his left hand away from everybody. And then, you know, there was that, he had that one dunk where he like came flying down the lane. It oh. was going to crush it the with two hand. hands. And yeah. like right at the last second, you see him like, uh-oh, wait a minute, my left hand is messed up. And he pulled his left hand away. He still made the dunk, but it was like, all right, he very clearly isn't right here. And, um, you know, had that not been a do-or-die game, I don't think there's any chance he's on the floor last night. No, it clearly wasn't time yet. But, you know, everyone acted appropriately, I think. It was do-or-die. He's a gamer. You know, this team means a lot to him. He, he did what he could, so... You know, with a lot of this calf season and these injuries, there's you, you can just only be mad at the situation, which is, right. I guess, better than being mad at the team. I mean, I might never forgive J.B. Bickerstaff for running Ricky Rubio into the ground that game he got hurt, but getting off topic. So, yeah, I, I, you know, Allen was uh, an emotional lift, but it, it just felt like it wasn't going to be enough. It wasn't. No. No, I mean, it's, it's getting back to what I was saying before. I just I, – I my, my whole mindset – over the last six weeks was just find a way to get into the playoffs with your core guys back. And let's just, I just wanted to see what this team could do. I mean, we never really got to see the Cavs with, you know, with Levert. I mean, he played obviously, right. but right. having their whole core together, um, even setting aside, you know, Colin Sexton and Ricky Rubio, just, you know, it, what, what they had envisioned their team looking like when that, for the remainder of this season when they traded for Karis Levert, you never really got that. I think like Levert only played with Allen Garland and Mobley four games or something like that before the all-star break. Well, then he, I was going to say, did we ever see the starting lineup we saw last night? No, I don't think so. Cause I'm pretty I don't sure think so either. Cause um, Markkinen was out. Right. And, and you know, for a while they were starting Okoro and right. It, you know, so again, uh, I think of they probably were thinking at some point down the stretch this was going to become the starting five, but they never really right. got to run it out there. So, um, you know, I, I just I wanted to see what they could look like 
with that group, you know, what they had envisioned that team being for the remainder of this year. And I felt like if they could get everybody back, you know, maybe they don't get out of the first round, but I felt like they could have been one of those teams that was a pain in the ass for a top seed. And I, I could like envision a scenario. There's a parallel universe out there where the Cavs make the first round of the playoffs and they find a way to steal a game in Miami. They, you know, get a, a huge charged up crowd in game three at home. They go up two one in that series. And all of a sudden you're seeing talking heads saying, Oh, you know, this team, they, they, you know, think back to what they looked like early in the season when they were among the best teams in the East. And now they got these guys together and, you know, maybe they don't finish off that series, but they, they could have made it interesting. And it just, it stinks that we're not going to ever really see what it could have been. Yeah. You know, I think we texted earlier in the week and, and I'm kind of the king of like, I'm always to a fault thinking long-term over over a year where like, even if things go as well as possible, I don't think my team is winning a title. And so I'm like, man, maybe we're better off with that lottery pick. And I don't know, blah, 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 blah. But then watching last night, man, I finally got to worry. I wanted it so bad. Even if the, even if a series against the heat might've been ugly, I wanted it so bad. So I, I agree. I came around to that. I'm, I'm just so disappointed. Yeah. I mean, 44 wins. They, it was a huge leap up and I'm sure the further we get away from this, the more we'll appreciate what the season was yeah. and just how much they were able to accomplish, you know, given that they were you know, just one setback after another. It was, I mean, it was, I mean, crazy. Tom, I, I, yeah. I like what, you know, I liked where they're headed. I liked what they did in the off season. I didn't think they'd become a point of viewing again. And they were, man, I, I loved, especially in the first half, obviously. I mean, you just didn't want to miss a minute of this Cavs team. And we can't lose sight of that. That was really, it was really awesome to have that again without LeBron James, you know, which is, yeah, you kind of weren't sure you'd ever be like that again. Yeah, I mean, and you know, that's something that Travis and I had talked about earlier in the season, and, and I, that's a drum I've been banging for a while, just how important it is for the franchise to be able to carve out an identity as a as a winning team, even if you're not necessarily a title contender just yet, just being able to be a respectable team and not being viewed as one of the five worst teams in the league in a season when you don't have LeBron it's just their identity as a functional franchise has been so tightly linked with LeBron James for the better part of 20 years. Um, you know, you needed that even this year, you know, as the Lakers were stumbling around, you know, you, you people who have been kind of conditioned that, Hey, the it's either the Cavs with LeBron or a contender or without him, they're not, you know, they were, right. you could just, you, you see the discussions with like, how could we get LeBron back? And it's like, you know, ultimately the long-term health of this team, you need to be able to build an identity without LeBron James, no matter how much I appreciate everything he did while he was here, you know, and it's like at some point you got to move on. And this season was a huge step towards that. No question. No question. It was, it really was a delight. I mean, it just, you know, we're, we're obviously bitter and angry and sad and everything this morning, but um, this season was so important, I think for, uh, for the trajectory of this franchise in the next few years and what they could be. I mean, you know, I, I think objectively we should have been on national TV a few more times. They should have chosen to put us on national TV a few more times before the year even started. But like you said, there's the perception of what we are. I mean, we have to be on TV a lot next year. I mean, Mobley, Allen, Garland, they're super fun to watch, even if you're not a Cavs fan. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I, I, I think the Cavs, I mean, it won't be like the LeBron days when they got their max number, number of national TV appearances, 30, 32, whatever it was. But I bet they get five or six at least. You know, you, you gotta, oh, at least. I yeah, I, I would certainly hope so. Um, I mean, if you don't love watching Darius Garland play, I think there's something wrong. I mean, you know, uh, I've been on Darius Garland Island for a long time, but uh, I think everyone's got to love watching that kid play. He alone is worth tuning in for. Huge leap from him this year. I, I'll be honest. Uh, you, you've been you have been on the Darius Garland bandwagon from day one, and coming into this year, I was a little nervous about him. I felt like, especially his rookie year, he was kind of passive and you know it looked a little tentative, relying a little too much on those floaters and and not you know pulling the trigger from deep enough. And um, you know if you look at the first few weeks of the season when they did have Colin Sexton. Darius's numbers were good, and it's encouraging that small sample size to say, "Hey, you know these guys can be compatible together." But I do feel like the the silver lining of this, you know, losing Sexton for most of the year, was I. It did feel like it kind of forced Darius to um, take on more of a more of a load and assert himself more, and he really took off during that time. And I, I think that that's huge for, you know, in, in his growth this year really mirrored the team as a whole. So um, I'm super excited for where he's at now. You know, you could definitely see Darius Garland as a perennial all-star type. And yeah, I mean, he's just fun to watch. So that's good. <laughs> and, I, 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 and I do know, so I was the king of, uh, you, you know, for Darius to develop, you, you got to get the ball out of Sexton's hands. And I didn't know if that meant, you know, I was, the, I was a big proponent of, you know, trying to make him the sixth man of the year type. Um, but I, I, and so, and I think the narrative, it's an easy narrative to say that that's why Darius blossomed and Sexton went down, but you kind of hinted at this. I, I think they were playing together in a way I hadn't seen at the beginning of this year. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, I think they went to more of a motion offense. And I think Sexton really fit in. I think Sexton did better with the ball out of his hand a little more than it used to be than I would have guessed. And and so I just, I flipped from like, I don't know, you might need to get rid of Sexton in the name of the Garland. Now I'm like, man, you really could have used Sexton as the season went on, uh, obviously, especially when Rubio went down. So sure could have used him last think, night. You just have to have the ball in Garland's hands more. I mean, that's, that's yeah. just easy. Yeah. yeah. You definitely, you could see it last night where boy, having Colin Sexton out there would be nice. <laughs> Literally anybody oh, else who be. could, score and and create a shot for themselves to take a little bit of the burden off of off of Darius that that would be uh that'd be good so yeah that would be nice when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Man, I you know I saw people already starting to post their uh, their their tankathon simulations for the lottery. I'm not there yet. I I can't do that yet. I can't bring myself to start looking at lottery projections already. And it sucks that we're probably a solid two months away from any sort of significant developments happening with this Cavs team while the you know the playoffs play out. Um, 
I kind of wish we could just sim through the playoffs and get to the summer so we could figure out what's next. But um, I'm really interested to see what what the summer looks like and, and, you know, what the Cavs are going to do. I I think there's – they got the proof of concept that the core that they've got in place is, you know, extremely encouraging. Um, But there's definitely some work with the supporting cast that I think is going to need to be done. And I'm very curious to see – how the Cavs approach this offseason. Um, wh- what do you expect? What are you hoping for? What are we going to see over the summer? Well, I just want to you know, kind of you talk about sort of flipping the narrative for the rest of the NBA world about what the Cavs can be without LeBron. Hats off to Kobe Altman. He, he flipped the narrative for me as far as what I think he is. I, I know he's above GM now, but, I, you know, I, I wasn't wowed by him. But now you look back at these young players he's added, Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can criticize the Dylan Windler pick and this or that. But, like, I think if you you can have this, you can have something else. I'll take this. I think he's done a terrific job. Um, and what I want, I, you know, again, probably to a fault, I've always wanted, uh, when we have a good point guard, to have a really strong second point guard. I just think it's I just think it's so valuable. And that's why I was excited about the Ricky Rubio trade. But then it was even more than I could have wildly imagined. So, I don't know. I don't know how soon Rubio is going to be ready to play after his injury and what percentage of his old self he'd be. So I don't know whether it's worth signing him, but I would like to sign somebody like that who can really, uh, so the offense doesn't fall off a cliff when Garland gets rest. That's my number one priority. And then, you know, just filling in these other spots, you know, I don't, I don't know if Chetty's still under contract for longer than I thought, I guess, but I thought maybe we'd, maybe we'd see the last of him try to upgrade there. I I don't know, but we, we go ahead. I would be pretty surprised if Jetty's back next year. Right. I just, right. it does not seem like that's a guy that's in the long-term plans for the Cavs. Um, I'm really going to be interested to see what they do with Isaac Okoro. I, I want to like him, but man, it just, you, you got to show me something more than what we've seen so far. And, you know, given the circumstances of the world, at the time he came into the league, it was not exactly an ideal situation to start an NBA career. Um, but when they got down to do or die time, it definitely seemed like they did not trust him yet. And I, if you're looking to swing a trade to try to bring in maybe a, a more, you know, two way, you know, a more a, a bigger threat, two ways on the wing, you know, get a small forward and maybe, you know, shift marketing to like that first big off the bench. Um, I could see Okoro being a, a centerpiece of a trade that they uh, send out to, to try to get a good player in return. Um, I certainly could see that. I, I guess my guess is that like, because you still control, you still control him for two years. I believe he's making mm-hmm. basically 7 million next year. My guess is you just keep developing him and nothing happens with, with Okoro. But I certainly agree that, you know, it, he's not untouchable in a trade like some of these other guys are. And if it's time to start bringing, you know, you're so young, if it's time to start trading in you for a little bit more experience. Yeah. He makes a ton of sense in a trade. So it will be interesting, but I, I, I can't help but root for that kid. And uh, I know if he doesn't, if he doesn't ultimately work out, it won't because he didn't give his all and stuff. So I'm a little, I'm a little in the tank for a Coro in a way that makes me um, not un- uh, objective, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a likable dude. And really, I mean, that was one of the things that I think in general about this Cavs team this year is just 
everybody on this team really seemed likable. It was just a good group and it was fun to cheer for them. You know, they're, yeah, Levert drove me nuts at times with some of his decision making, but I mean, that, that's picking nits. It, it, it was it was just such a, I, I the makeup of this team and the and the core guys they're so easy to root for. I mean, like you it, talked about Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, uh, Jared Allen, all all these dudes. Um, franchise is in a good place when when those guys are the faces of your team. I couldn't agree more. This year felt like um, we know it's pro sports. We know these guys, including the Cavs, are making millions of dollars. But they really did give off the vibe of just having a great time out there, loving each other, loving playing for each other, having each other's back. I don't know how long that lasts. You know, things evolve. But I just absolutely loved it. And that's why it's so hard to see this uh, season come to an end. And just sticking with your theme of what do we do and and guys who maybe fit in better than you thought. What do you do with Kevin Love now? He's got, what, one more year at about $30 million? and And – or I guess 25. What a great story he was this year. But is, is he on the roster next year, do you think? That's a great question. Um, boy, I, I he certainly seemed to reinvent himself. And, I mean, if you want to talk about the, the benefit of having a team with good vibes, I mean, he's exhibit A. I mean, right. I don't think it's any That's secret. Right. He's been he's been miserable for the past few years and wanted to get out of here. Uh, and the only reason – Didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what was your first clue? You had to really squint at it. I know, but you know, really, I mean, had he made himself even semi-functional, maybe they could have traded him sooner. The only reason he was still here is because between injuries and and everything else, he just nobody's wanted him. And you know, going to the bench this year, it was really easy to see where that could go south, even further from where the relationship with him had been. And you know, credit to him, he really bought into his role. Um. And just really reinvented who he was as a player. And honestly, I, I think he deserves some six man of the year consideration. It's probably going to go to Tyler Hero from Miami, which is kind of dumb considering he plays starters minutes for them, even though he technically isn't a starter. But, um, you know, in terms of next year, I don't know. I, I, I think Kevin Love will be back. I wouldn't be stunned if they find some way to move on from him but um i you know in a world where in a world where you know let's say we trade for a a three who makes more sense than what we have now and marketing becomes that first guy off the bench that's where i think you're back in back in the business if you can get anything for love and someone to take that contract maybe it's more appealing but in a world where we don't do that i i I, you know i love love is kind of the first big off the bench yeah you know the other thing is that you know is is he happy if he gets shuffled you know another spot down the bench but then the flip side of that is look at all the injuries they went through this year and you know nobody wants to talk about this but that's not a one-year aberration for the Cavs they've gotten hit hard by injuries several years in a row now and you know it, it was a little different when they were in tank mode and they didn't have any sort of aspirations of going anywhere and, and, and making the playoffs. And it really only became glaring this year because they were trying to hold on to a, a playoff spot. And I don't know, maybe in past years they were a little more cautious with some of their guys because they knew they weren't trying to win immediately. But, um, you know, the idea that, oh, yeah, we'll just, you know, run it back next year and, and there's no way we could have injury luck as bad again next season, you know, I, I – 
I laugh at the suggestion. <laughs> there's, there's no guarantee that that's going to be the case. And, you know, you could see a situation where having depth is really important. You know, if we looked at this year, like, oh my God, what are they going to do with all these bigs they've got on their roster? And by March, we were starting Miles, Miles Brown. Was that, I, I can't even, I'm blanking on his name now, but. You're close anyways. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, Moses Brown. Moses Brown. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> it sounded right to me. I don't know. Yeah. And, and We're doing the best we can this morning. We, <laughs> we are. So, I don't know. I in. I guess that's the one thing aside from roster construction that if I'm the Cavs, you know, yeah, some of the injuries you can probably attribute to just fluky bad luck, but I'm, I'm doing everything I possibly can uh, from looking at strength and conditioning to maybe seeing if we could borrow the, uh, the, the sage that Kyrie Irving uh, Burns walking around the court to uh, get rid of the bad vibes. Any, I'm leaving no stone unturned when it comes to trying to uh, improve player health for next year because you cannot go through this again with having your roster torpedoed this hard. And you know, yeah, I, it was it was probably even heightened this year because the Cavs really in that stretch in late December got hammered hard by COVID, which hopefully is not an issue next year. Um, but yeah, the, the injuries, man, you just, you, you got to do everything you can to try to minimize the risk of that as best you can. Uh, you, you probably know better than I, but I feel like the Suns and or the Heat, you know, have these great reputations for how they, for that uh, area of their franchise. And if you're not already doing everything you can to mimic the best teams in, in the league when it comes to strength, conditioning, health, you should be. But for all I know, they are. So I don't know. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I think you're right about Miami. I know you're right about Phoenix that, that they've had a great reputation for that for years. So um, we'll see, but I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed out that uh, playoffs are going to be starting up this weekend here and, and the Cavs are not part of it. Um, Definitely felt like they deserved to be for the season they had, but you know, we'll, uh, we'll get back at it next year. And I, I, I can't wait for next season to start. It, it's so easy to think about. I mean, there's next year, then there's. I, I, I keep thinking about what year three Evan Mobley might look like, and it's oh, yeah. so. I mean, year year two might be exciting enough, but like, give that guy more polish and some practice at the free throw line, <laughs> and uh, he might just be a near unstoppable force. I mean, it, you know, as much as I love Darius Garland's the reason I tune in. He's my favorite Cav. I love watching him. His aesthetics are everything I like. But like, I mean, Mobley is the real deal, and and maybe an even bigger key to the future. So it, it it's a time to be excited. Yeah, it's it's not hard at all to envision Evan Mobley being a, a super-duper star in the league. He's got all the tools. And, you know, what was really exciting for me watching him was there are things that he was showing this year that are the types of skills that you don't normally see guys really – start to show until like their second or third year, the way he defended this year and was so good at shutting opposing players down without fouling. Like that is really hard to do. And, and I, I think that it's important to develop a reputation 
is he's going to become known around the league now as he's a guy that can defend without fouling. You know, like there's right, certain you, guys. You're that, a ref. You give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's right. Because like there's certain guys that you know, like you know, what we talked about the in the way it goes the other way offensively with the grifting, and you know, oh well, Trey Young missed that layup. Somebody must have made some contact with him. So uh, yeah, yeah. he's gonna. We we got to give him free throws. Well, it's like you know, Evan Mobley the inverse of that can be true. I'll, you know, well, this is a guy that we know doesn't follow a lot. So that block that he just put up, you know, that, that must've been clean. That must've been legit. So um, that's it. You, you talk about last night's game being a microcosm of the season, that block he had last night that, you know, a foul wasn't called that. He, I think he basically kind of pinned the ball at the bottom of the. Oh the yeah. And that, I mean, it looked like so the dude awesome. had a breakaway. Yeah. That, I, yeah. I went crazy. That was unbelievable. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Man, goddamn! I just let's get it going again. I can't wait for next season. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Let's run it back. You know, I, and I do think this team will look largely the same. And I can't complain. I love these guys. So let, let's do it. Yeah. Well, Mez, this has been cathartic for me. I, I needed this after uh, how down I, feel I was. A little better. The, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. So thank you. Um, I uh, I appreciate it. I'm I'm in a better place now than I was uh, 40 minutes ago when we started this. Well, you're welcome, and thanks for having me. It was a blast, and uh, it was a, it's a nice way to wrap up a, a really fun season, even if last night's a tough pill to swallow. Definitely. All right, as a reminder, you could subscribe to The Nail in the Coffin on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast listening platforms. We are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and we're also on waitingfornextyear.com. Thanks again to Mark Mazaros for joining us. Spin the nail in the coffin. We'll catch you again soon. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.